Hello, my name is Uri. In this Imagine Action podcast, I'm speaking with Johan Brioc. Enjoy. What was your way in to this work? What I love about this work is that we have our epiphanies, that it just woke me up. I couldn't be indifferent to this. I couldn't do, I had to commit to trying to change the world. <laughs> Aesthetic experience can be totally transformative. It can change your reality. Imagine Action Podcast. Imagination. Creando comunità trasformativa. Social arts across borders. And the next gateway, if you like, was um, experiencing a workshop with Adrian Jackson, which we both know, uh, and then becoming uh, his kind of apprentice and, and uh, leaving TIE and working in Theatre of the Oppressed. So, first of all, I'm a Theatre of the Oppressed uh, joker or practitioner. Um, and, and during that, for many years, uh, we worked with all kinds of oppression. And we were working day in, day out with, with people. You, you just feel sometimes it's a theater of helplessness, you know, or, or, or the theater of the depressed. It would often happen. Um, um, and, and I guess that's where the second gateway happened, which was experiencing the work of uh, Enrique Vargas, a Colombian theater anthrop anthropologist based in Barcelona with a company called Teatros de los Sentidos. And he, he kind of provided another uh, mode of theater that just blew me away. And I always, and then the next opportunity I had, I wanted to do that, but with an applied kind of ethic to it. So that's where sensory labyrinth theater, I mean, maybe I've jumped ahead, but that's where sensory labyrinth theater came from as a kind of need to balance the theater they pressed and the, the dwelling on the, on the oppressions to, I wouldn't say it's, a, it's not a utopia, but, but a kind of something that works on a different level. Looking back at your work and, and all this continuous, maybe continuing um, evol evolution of the work, what, what, are, what is guiding you? What are the principles of your work that are guiding you in this process? Yes. Um, principles that guide me. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, they're consistent with, you know, the principles that guide all of us. I wouldn't say I'm a Marxist. Um, I, I went to a school established by a, 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 a somebody called Jiddu Krishnamurti, who is a, um, I don't know what you call him, a teacher, a thinker. Um, but he, he had what he developed what's called teachings. Um, um, most people kind of come to Krishnamurti through a Van Morrison album called No Guru, No Teacher. So he was a you know he was somebody who didn't follow Krishnamurti but was influenced by him. So Krishnamurti was very much about um, awareness in the moment, um, what's happening right now. And theater became for me a gateway for that, to be able to, to explore with people. I love working with people and exploring together what this experience of being alive is at that most basic level. You know, politics is there, politics is happening. But my argument for, and this comes to theater the oppressed as well, is that, you know, doing the theater the oppressed, doing form theater is the revolution. 
um, creating that stage where people come together and, and what I call kind of like the large human collider, you know, the large hedron collider in Geneva smashes these particles together and releases uh, subparticles and they study quantum effects. Now, I, I believe this very strongly. It's not, we can use it as a metaphor, but theater is a large human collider. And, and when, you, when you bang these particles together, these, and when I say particles, I mean the idea of individuals together, and you release um, this quantum effect, which is this feeling of what, uh, what Boal used to say, communion, um, but it's also communitas, this anthropological experience that all indigenous people create through rites of passage, which is this experience of um, unity uh, that, that, that destroys the illusion that we're separate. So you ask me what my principle is, is to destroy the illusion that we are separate. <laughs> what have been the, the main frustrations or challenges you have met doing this mm -hmm. work? Well, there's a lot, there's a lot. <laughs> Um, in about, about the same time I started doing sensory labyrinth theater, I, I also did a legislative theater project. I think it was one of the largest, you know, after Boal, Boal's experiments in Rio, and it was funded by the Welsh government. And we worked with 20, I think 22 groups all over Wales, uh, looking at all the different uh, legislature that would help them. And, and uh, it was funded by the assembly and we, we made a big event outside um, and lots of civil servants got involved, the people who basically run things uh, and it did influence policy, but not one politician came. Uh, and that, this, is, this was the frustration for me is that they didn't come because theater didn't have credibility, the idea that legislature would, uh, was serious, um, so they couldn't associate with, with it being created through some kind of theatrical process. And yet, you know, when you work in politics or in law, when you, you see them operate, it's all theater. I mean, it's, it's theater which, which is kind of, has this cynicism to it. So for me, the, the main frustration throughout my work has been this credibility gap that you work in theater, or it's, it's entertainment. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, the, and, um, and yet, you know, and, and it's, it's, I think it's a much wider issue as well, you know, and, and you talked about earlier about how context-oriented arts, and we'll get to that in a minute, because theater is a vehicle for social awareness. It's, it's, much, it's much more than that. And, and this harks back to, Boal's story of, of, you know, the invention of theatre, the theatre being the first invention of, of, of humans, you know, it's what creates self-consciousness, the ability to see ourselves in the past and future. And he, he kind of, it's interesting to wonder to what extent that was a metaphor for him, or actually, you know, how serious can we take that metaphor? Isn't it actually possible that consciousness at the level we're working with is theatre? You know, they're not indistinguishable. Um, and that's what the theory, to, theory of context-oriented arts looks like, looks at. So I, I kind of come up against this wall all the time. And that's the main frustration is that this 
this idea that I'm not, I'm serious and I don't involve myself in, in dramatics. <laughs> uh, and yet my whole life is framed by dramatics, you know, and there's this other thing over here, which is theater, which is there for entertainment or to escape, you know, and it, it, uh, or therapy, which is even worse <laughs> often. What has been the gift of doing this work? What have you found? What have been the, the gifts or the treasures in, in, in doing this line of work? So, so I'm going to try and answer this um, in connection with, with what we've just been talking about. Because, you know, you're a joker, I'm a joker. We, we're, we've, we're experienced with interventions from the public. And, and I played, I used to love playing up to the oppressor. Um, and, and we talked about this confusion of uh, taking the theater, the character I'm playing to be real. And where does that end? You know, where does the pretense stop? So we can easily see when the, the policeman is wearing what's, you know, the agentic personality, what, what Milgram talked about, how, how people can do bad things to other people because they hide behind these official masks by the, you know, the uniform of the policeman or the judge. Or, um, and, uh, and when there's an intervention, I, I guess there's two kind of paths to the interaction to generalize massively. One is the kind of uh, the horizontal, which is to organize with people on the same level as you, uh, and the other one is vertical to try and try and address the the agentic personality to try and break the mask. And and it, and the epiphanies I've experienced in theatre oppressed are all all been about the breaking of that mask. Um, and and the agentic personality breaking. Um, but what's interesting is many people in form theatre don't think that's the function of form theatre to try and change the oppressor's behaviour. It's it's more horizontal to try and organise and and change things. But what we've seen politically, to be honest, is that doesn't work anymore around the world. It hasn't worked. It hasn't didn't work in Tunisia and Egypt. It's not worked in China or Hong Kong. You know, it's not worked in America. Um, so maybe we're, we were wrong to, to not look at how do we change, how do we destroy the agentic personality? How do we destroy all our masks? Um, and that's for me what theatre is about. And the gift for me is being able to break a lot of masks that I had and to go to places of, uh, I don't want to say wisdom, <laughs> because that, but places of, of a depth with people, not by myself meditating in a cave, but working with people to arrive at places which went beyond time and space and, um, and led to profound changes for, for us all, you know, engaged in that. Uh, and um, I feel very, very, very blessed uh, to... Um, I had this guy who worked for Coca-Cola or Pepsi was in, in the Balkans and he only was dragged along to see a sensory labyrinth because his wife used to work with me. <laughs> and he went, he went in his, his posh suit through this labyrinth, and, uh, you know, his top executive. And he came out in the end and said, um, uh, you are blessed to share such information. <laughs> I thought, you got it. This is what it is. We're just sharing this information, which 
which is that we're all, I mean, it sounds so blooming hippie, but we're all one. But when you experience that through this work, and we, we experience it through theater of the oppressed, we experience it through great theater in all its forms, great art in all its forms, then um, that's, that's, that's why I do it. That's the gift to me. Thinking about someone that is just starting this path and you know, it could be even you when you were starting it or, or someone right now. What, what would you, what, what advice would you give to someone starting this, this adventure now? Um, well, I, I, I wouldn't dare give anybody advice about that. I'll tell you what helped me is, is to have a role model, you know, to have somebody that you just, like for me, it was Adrian Jackson when I saw him. Jokering, it was just the way he did it. Um, I wanted to be like him, you know, and that's a good place to start. <laughs> and then you just find your own way after that. But, but finding somebody who you, not somebody because you know their name, but because they've just turned you on, you know, with what they do. And really study them and study how they do it and try and be them and then get better than them or, you know, it's kind of helps you on your trajectory rather than, because a lot of people just feel that uh, that's the opposite to what most people say, isn't it? <laughs> just be yourself. Um, but sometimes I know it takes a lot of confidence to start in this work and people, people do it sometimes. Um, uh, And, well, how can I say this? It's, it's fine to make mistakes is basically what I'm saying. Just start, you know, I made some huge mistakes. I mean, one of the first theater, the oppressed workshops I did, people ended up in hospital fighting, you know? <laughs> so, um, but if, if you see somebody who inspires you, often you, you, you end up feeling that this is what you have to do. Uh, this is very muddled. This sounds sorry. Yeah, it, it, it no, it sounds very practical actually, and and yeah. you know, I, I actually I connected with what you know you brought before. You know, this illusion that we're individuals, mm -hmm. <laughs> and and you know, I, I think as as um, as interesting is the declaration that you said that is very common. You know, be yourself, which is you know. Mm. You know, we can, but all the same time, it's, you know, it celebrates at some level, we can say being authentic, but at the same time, it celebrates, you know, be different, be separated somehow. And I, I like this, like be connected. And I also hear something around mentoring, which is one of the things that we are trying to create with Imagine Action. And, and it has been for me, like for me, meeting Hector and, and working with him in such a, you know, has been you know i was doing theater the press before but it was bringing something else and it's really not about necessarily just being like him mm. but there is something there that that is a relationship and, and and an understanding that is cultivated and is a sort of exchange which sometimes it's being like and sometimes it's contrasting yeah um, so um but it yeah it it, it 
you know, um, yeah. So the idea with the mentor that is not a teacher that is, you know, knows everything, but it's someone more ahead in the road than you, yeah. you know? That, yeah, yeah. find somebody that inspires you and work with them. I guess that's the way I would yeah. say it. Um, Next set of question is about now and looking from the now. And I know that you have an exercise that is about going to the now also. Um, and, and the first question is, is what are you busy with right now? <laughs> uh, what, what makes you, you know, what are you busy with? Well, yeah, um, um, I just, we talked just before the, you started recording about the project I'm developing. There's a lot, you know, because of the pandemic, there's a lot going online, you know, like we are now talking. And a lot of my work at the moment is teaching online. I teach mindfulness. We never got to that, but it doesn't matter. But um, I teach teachers mindfulness in schools. Um, and I'm also developing a curricula to teach mindfulness more creatively than the, the current curricula. Um, but we also have this other counter will, if you like, which is to get away from the screen. And, and how can we work with digital means to orient attention towards the moment in, out, off the screen? Um, and uh, it kind of sounds counterintuitive, but I'm, I'm kind of curious about augmented reality, the way in the way that Pokemon game got people out, you know, to look for things and lost <laughs> and in places. I've, I know that it's the case that people found dead bodies because they went to these locations that nobody had been to in years looking for a Pokemon, you know. But that kind of idea of getting people in the streets, searching and, and yeah, the, the phone is their guide, the smartphone is their guide, but what it contacts, connects them to is a kind of social history of their square mile, which maybe they weren't aware of, but it, which is also really powerfully transformative for them. It's creating a new relationship, not through a screen, but to, to reality, to, to the sense of place. So that's one of the things I'm doing. The other thing I'm doing, um, so when you work in sensory labyrinth theater, your consciousness starts to change. Um, and and um, you start to enter what I think is called, uh, in Taoism is called Wu Wei, you know, it's, it's kind of this sense of flow. Um, and it's not constant, you know, it's it kind of, if you work in the labyrinth a lot, when you come out, you're still there, you're still in this sense of flow. Um, and I was curious about, what would a political structure look like, which which supported this sense of flow? Um, and, and I came up with a concept called theocracy, which is rule by flow. And and I've been trying to theorize about that and, and describe it. So that's my theoretical aspect. It hasn't manifested in anything concrete at the moment, but you know, it is linked to some ideas. I want to connect it to the next question is, is about what is, what is, how can social arts support humanity in this moment of transition? Mm. Okay. Um, I think the way the future is going, you know, the world is being divided into content creators and content consumers. 
And I've mentioned before that the artist in the future won't create content. They won't create something for you to experience. Um, they'll create context. Um, so those are con context is um, is this elusive thing which is you know who is who is experiencing this right now. You know, there's an observer, then it's the observed. So we're observing each other, but there is something that is doing the observing. So context is orienting towards inquiring, having that curiosity to explore who, who is this person experiencing this? What is experiencing this? And that's the function of context-oriented art is, is to, if you like, fall awake to this miracle of being alive is one form way of saying it. But a more subtle level, it's actually trying to pull back and, and connect with who we really are. So, so a lot of our efforts to change society has come with a kind of political will, uh, often from the left, or a moral or ethical will. But I think, um, and, and when we talk about the context of social awareness, it's often awareness of these ethics, you know, of, for instance, the basis of it is the golden rule, you know, which is treat others as I want to be treated myself, you know, and that's the basis, basis of all religions, really, in some ways. But it hasn't worked. And, and you know, we, we can see it hasn't worked. It isn't working. So when I talk about awareness, I talk about awareness of this uh, um, implicate order, if you like, this thing that is beneath everything, which is this benevolence and this oneness. And, and we can only experience that through some transformative experiences using theater. When, when you experience that, compassion is spontaneous. It emerges and it's a natural property. And I think that's the step that we need to take is develop the turn our theater, this large human collider into a way that we can, we can work to, to create the communitas, the, the sense of oneness, uh, which isn't, a, 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 wasn't, it's not a moral platform or a theory, but a, a, a lived experience. So you have the infrastructure of the society that dictates that we shouldn't be compassionate to each other. But what if we created a, a, a parallel infrastructure where we work to the people most available to do this, who are the refugees, the homeless, the asylum seekers, the people who are excluded by society. Let's create our own society modeled on, on these things. And, and it happens, it does happen spontaneously all the time, every day. Um, but with the, you know, with digital technology, how can we, how can we, connect that i wouldn't even say organize it because the moment you start organizing it then a whole bunch of other stuff comes but just connecting it and and, and i love this word affordance which means making it affordable to people not financially but just in terms of their attention and their 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 awareness mm -hmm. and in my ideal like uh, ideal world and the parallel infrastructure just become so populated and so powerful and energized that people just discard their cars and their houses and they just move to this other way of living, <laughs> which is a, a, a constant festival. Mm. 
<laughs> yeah, celebration, living in, in, in celebration, and you know, in a way, probably we we have that experience. You know, it's probably not not so different from how our ancestors experienced the world somehow. And I I I, I do some work around um, dragon dreaming, and it it draws a lot from Aboriginal Australian Aboriginal philosophy and 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 yeah. ways of knowing. Speak about the dream time and um, yeah, and, and I really feel that in a way we're closing a circle here. And it's not that we all return to where we were, you know, tens of thousands of years ago, but I think we're meeting this place in a, from a new perspective somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the, the indigenous mindset is the only thing that's going to save this world, isn't it? Yeah. And, and in, in, in a way, and that's what I feel, it's, we, we need to, you know, re-become, become again indigenous, all of us. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we cannot just, you know, delegate being indigenous to a certain <laughs> groups that we scattered all over, you know, where it's like, oh, you're indigenous. So what are we? <laughs> like, yeah yeah and and i really believe that theater is a way in it's a way in to even if you lost all your ancestry tree even if you know where you're i i feel the theater and being in nature Mm. is is like a direct way in uh into that uh yeah kind of awareness then it's hard to maintain somehow mostly because the there is a lot of pressure from the structures, mm. which we will might call oppressions. Uh, uh, but you know the, the way things are structured. Mm. So the, the next set of question is is really about this um, network and this network of social arts across social artists across borders. And what would you like to receive or give in a network like that? What what what, what do you see as a, as a benefit or something you would like to give or receive in an exchange in such a network? Uh, well, I just like, I love working with people. I just love people. And, uh, I just, uh, I, you know, the, you mentioned the Republic of the Imagination before, and that was a network as well of people doing this work, you know, the, the sensory labyrinth theater work and, and um, and that still exists in some ways, but uh, it's very difficult to make <laughs> sensory labyrinth theatre work in the economic, the neoliberal world because because it's uh, it, it doesn't make any economic sense. It's about fifteen people creating a performance for thirty people, um, and it's. Uh, yeah, it's 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 senselessly taxing on your energy <laughs> to be performing for maybe like twelve hours a day in this place with people coming through and you give everything you you give everything but you receive everything too it's, and the, and the danger was at some point you know well the only way to make this work is to turn it into a religion or a cult <laughs> so I. That's definitely not a route I wanted to take, but 
how do you make the work viable? I think those practical questions, uh, the practice, you know, we, we thrive on sharing it, I think. But it's that, how do you, how do you make this practical? Is, is, is something I think we could talk more about in the network. Because I've been trying for years and I still have to do other work to, to find. Neoliberalism, you know, we have this atomization of our strategies. We don't want to share sometimes. And I see that a lot in these kind of networks uh, that, you know, we don't share the way we make this work, you know. Mm. Maybe we'll find that we all have private income somewhere, <laughs> somewhere <laughs> and it's, but how can we, how can we make it more of, how, it's the affordance thing, basically. How can we make, how can we work together to organize, to, to create an affordance for people to do this? Uh, so it's a, it's a, it's an issue of diversity, equity, and inclusion, isn't it? As well, you know. Building transformative communities for future. Nosotros creemos que la imaginación es el derecho universal. Podcast de imagination. We believe imagination is our universal right and regeneration is our collective responsibility. If you like the podcast, like, share and subscribe. Please support Imagine Action on Coffee and see you in the next episode.